listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Praise God. So I'm going to finish what I've been ministering on for the past few weeks, this particular particular topic, speaking about Nehemiah and the different types of people in relation to building. And I'm going to finish that up. But as a whole, I I would say probably from now and and even actually the past month until the end of the year, uh, we're just talking about the ones that hell could not overcome. Because the Lord has, uh, I don't know how to say this, but just I use this word when I gave someone a word a few months ago, and it, and it stuck with me, and it's like he's lodged something inside of me for this season to declare what he says about us. And we are ones that hell could not overcome. And so I'm specifically saying it's in past tense because when you can say it as if you're in the future, then it brings faith for the now to get you to the place in the future where you need to be. We are the ones that hell could not overcome. I'm telling you, there's things that have come against that have been so difficult, so challenging, but yet here we still are, still standing. I've had times when I woke up even on a Sunday morning and different times when uh, it felt like everything was coming against me, not any people or anything, but just the enemy flooding with thoughts and even physical attacks and different things that could come. But we are the ones that hell could not overcome. It couldn't overcome us doesn't have the ability to overcome us. Why? Because we stand with God. If God be for us, who could possibly be against us? If God be for us, who could possibly be against us? Thank you, Jesus. Man, God's so awesome. His word is so powerful. His word is so true. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Man, God, I just, man, God is so good. There's something about saying and about singing, declaring in whatever form the faithfulness of God. And the reason it's so important is because there's not a person, an honest person in here, who has not come to the awareness of their unfaithfulness. Have you ever gotten to a point in your life to where you're like, Golly, I've not been very faithful in my thinking, not been very faithful in my Bible reading or whatever it is that you know you're supposed to be faithful in. You ever been at that place before? Well, it is an amazing revelation when you can get to the point where you say, you know what, God? I know I totally have blown it, but your work doesn't depend, and my future doesn't depend on my faithfulness, but it's your faithfulness. And when you can say that, actually... On accident, you'll be more faithful that way than you ever would just trying to be faithful through your own strength. Because then, then now you've got God's faithfulness working on your behalf, and you'll be the most faithful person there ever was. But I love the fact that God is faithful. If you could, if you could do it without going down a dark hole, but remember all of the past times and struggles and issues that you went through, and at times it felt like, this is the end. I'm going to die. I'm never going to make it through this. But you made it through to the other side. Why? Because of your faithfulness? No, because God's faithful. So no matter what we face, God's always faithful. Amen. So I, I want to, here's what I want to do. Um, I, just to give, I'm going to give a, a two-minute overview of the last couple of weeks. And I've been talking about different kinds of people 
different types of people in relation to building. And we've been looking at the book of Nehemiah, which I don't think I've really actually looked at it all that much. Well, we did a little bit, but I'm getting ready to go a little bit deeper with it today. And man, it's, I'm telling you, it's, oh, it's so awesome. It's just, it's on the inside of me, so, so strong. And I just pray you, you capture what I'm going to minister to you today. But there are, there, we classify people differently. And we, we do that sometimes. We'll say, you know, there's two different kinds of people in the world or 10 different kinds of people in the world or whatever. But I believe in relation to building, there's basically four different types of people, which I listed up here. Not that you can read that from where you're at, but we talked about spectators are ones that simply observe what is being built. Uh, sand ballots hinder what is being built. Builders partner with what is being built. I'm going to take about five minutes to finish up talking about what a builder is, and then we're going to get into a Nehemiah, and a Nehemiah is somebody who is given to what is being built. Their life is given to what is being built. I want to say something really important about being a spectator. It's fine to spectate for a season if, you want to, if you're spying out the land, so to speak, and you think, I want to see what's really going on here. I want to see what these people are like. I want to see what's, what's taking place. But at some point, if you, spec, if you spectate, then you'll turn into a speculator. And someone who speculates is someone who will get into suspicion and who will get into armchair quartering back to where they'll sit in their chair on their hindquarters and think that they know better than everybody else that's doing all of the work. You know what I'm talking about? So if you become a spectator and you stay a place of a spectator too long, if you're not careful, you can get into having a critical spirit. And so really, and then if you're not careful, you could move into being a sand ballot. And without going into detail, sand ballot was one that specifically worked against Nehemiah and tried to stop the work of the Lord. Because See, the way, that, the way that the enemy works is always through, through flesh. He doesn't have this great power. He works through deception. And when people think that they're so right and they're not willing to be involved with something, then oftentimes the enemy will come in and will work through them to hinder the work that the Lord is doing. But the, the most right people are the ones that, that get off their, uh, I heard one guy say, blessed assurance and, and get busy doing things. And this is all taken in balance. You know, you can't teach every aspect of the kingdom of God all at one time. It's impossible. So when I talk about working, I'm not talking about uh, that you wear yourself out and destroy your family and are at the church 24-7. I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is that when you're a builder, your heart and your mind and, and, and your prayers and everything is invested into what God is doing. And so that's, that's really important. And I've been one before where I've seen people that they've worked too hard. This is a lady here that at times I've said, go home, stop being here, stop working. Because sometimes people, when they get caught up and like, I want to do this and it becomes a part of them, then sometimes they just need to hear, hey, you're working too hard. You can, you can go home. So there's balance in everything. But the idea is, is that God hasn't called us to be a spectator. Uh, he certainly hasn't called us to be a sandbox one that would come against the work of the Lord, but he's called us to be builders and he's called us to be Nehemiahs. And I believe that the Lord really is in search for people who are Nehemiahs, who will be given to the work that the Lord is doing. And I'm going to get into that more here in just a second. But I want to talk about this word builder here and what it means for just about five minutes. And I'm going to go into talking about Nehemiah. But a builder is one who partners with what is being built. And I started to mention this last week and I didn't get very far into it because I ended up spending a fair amount of time talking about tithing and about giving. And it was so quiet in here when I got done. I was like, Liz, did I miss it? She said, no, you were right on. The people were just thinking a lot about what you were saying. And so I, this, I can never remember a time actually when I talked about 
things that people need to do to be a part of a church. I can't think of a time when I ever did that in all of the years that I've been here, but I really felt it was impressed to say, these are things that God is saying, will you take part in what I'm doing here? Because I think that anybody, in fact, let's see a show of hands. Who in here could say that you bear witness to the fact that God is doing a great work through this church, not only in this community, but in the earth? So why in the world would anybody not be a part of a work that God's doing? There can be a lot of things people can be uh, afraid, afraid of, um, you know, people taking advantage of them. They could be afraid of giving up some of their, of their time. I might just call that selfishness, but, you know, there could be a lot of different reasons why somebody wouldn't jump on board. But look, if you see something that God's doing and that you know it's right, then you should simply just be a part of it. You know, there's, there's an old saying that I think it's like something like many, uh, Many hands make light work. I think I'm saying something close to that. Well, when you have a bunch of people that will jump in and say, I want to be a part of that and I want to go for it, it makes the work a whole lot easier. And I commend you for that because this is, when, when I, I'm just being honest with you, I brag on you guys a lot. And when I, I know a lot of other, and I wouldn't do that maybe as much with with pastors around here, but just when I go in other places, um, conferences, and I know many pastors in different places, and I tell them, uh, how you guys are givers and how you guys serve—they're—they're they're actually blown away. You know, we have a—we have our serve teams that, and, and the serve teams is part of what God's given us for people to jump on. And when people serve, physically come on and serve, it's amazing how they grow. Who could attest that since you've been jumped on a serve team and been a part, you felt more of a part because you've had buy-in? We could say it that way, and you feel like you've grown because you've made a decision that you're going to serve. So probably at least half of you in here or about half of you in here could say that. So there's something um, really powerful about uh, jumping on board and, and partnering. And when I've talked to other ministers in other places, oftentimes they are shocked when I tell them how many people we have serving and the kind of um, givers that we have in the church. They're literally shocked because you guys are outside of the norm. You break the the norm, uh, the, the barrier for, for what's normal in our country. But I always believe that we can go further because if we are willing for God to stretch us, then he will use us. And we don't have to destroy our, our lives doing it. You know, because that's always been one of the con concerns with people getting involved with, with church work because it pays basically nothing. Amen. Here on this earth, although the heavenly rewards are great. And if you're not careful, you can get your, your, whole, your whole life can be sucked into it. And so I'm very careful, and Katie is very careful to watch and make sure that people, people are being taken care of, that the workers are being taken care of, if I can say it like that. But there's something really powerful about partnering with what God is doing. And so I talked about different ways that you can partner, which these are three basic ways you can pray, you can give financially, and you can serve. And I believe that every person who is a true builder will do all three of those things. And if you're like, I just am not a place where I can tithe, that's why I put slash give, then believe, uh, believe God, start giving at the level that you're at, but believe him to, you know, to be able to increase you. You know, the thing is when it comes to giving people, if they really, if they really saw things through God's eyes, they, I don't want to say afraid, but for lack of a better term, they would almost be afraid not to give because when I see what God's given me financially, I look at it not just as bread to eat. See, everybody's an eater. Everybody needs things to take care of the stuff in their life, but not everybody's a giver. 
but he gives seed to the sower. And when you become a sower, what you're doing is you're partnering with God. Ron mentioned this, and I want to read this really quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I just want to talk about partnership just a little bit more. And you could, you could I believe, apply this, even though it's specifically talking about finances. You could apply this to finances. You could apply this to praying. You could apply this to just very practically serving. But I want to read this to you. And so in verse 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, But this I pray, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is what I tell people about giving. If you're ever at a point to where you feel like you have to do it or you're obligated to do it, take your money, stick it back in your wallet or your purse or your checking account or whatever, and wait till your heart's right before you start giving. Because when you give and you're not doing it in faith, you're not doing it because you love God and because you know it's the right thing to do and you just want to be a blessing, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot. You need to do it motivated from the right thing, not begrudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And the only time I ever heard this verse growing up is when the pastor would stand up and, and take up the offering, and he's like, God loves a cheerful giver. And what he was saying is put a smile on your face, even though it's ripping your heart out right now. <laughs> but really, when you start to understand what it means to partner with God, you're happy to shell out money. I'm happy to give money. The only disappointment I have in my life concerning money is that there's things that I know that I need to give to that I'm just, I just don't quite have enough money to give into some of the things. So I'm always like, God, I need more money because I gotta give, I gotta give to that thing. I've got a particular thing right now, which I, I'm not gonna give the amount or the thing, but it's a lot of money, a lot of money. And the Lord put it on my heart and I said, I'm believing for a miracle for this particular thing. And my only frustration, when it, well, I'll tell you the amount, it was $15,000 for a particular person, for a particular thing, and I was grieved because I didn't have it. You know why I was grieved? Because I'm a giver. I'm a sower. But I'm believing that God's going to increase me so I can do the things that he's placed on my heart. Because as we continue reading, he gives seed to the sower. So somebody that is in line with God's economy that thinks like God thinks doesn't get grieved when they pull money out of their pocket. They get excited. Because, see, if you think like, like the world, you can take 10%. We'll just use the tithe as, amount, uh, as the amount. You can take 10%, and you could give it, and you go, man, now I've only got 90% of the money that I had. But if you think like God thinks, it's more like, praise God, now I've got 90% of so if you had $100 and you gave 10, instead of going, I only got $90, now you could say, I've placed 10% into the ground and now I've got 90% of $200. Because you know what's going to come back to you is always going to be more because God, you can, I used to hear this for years, that you can't outgive God. Now I'd always go, wow, I just don't believe that. And that's why it didn't work for me. But once I started to believe it, then I realized this actually works. Now there's, there's wisdom in it. You shouldn't go empty your bank account out. I've seen people do that before because they wanted to do the right thing uh, and they wanted to give or whatever. There's wisdom in it and you have to do it according to your faith. But whatever God um, tells you and you have faith to believe for, you'll always see increase come back on that. Because when you're doing it in faith, you're partnering with God because that's how the kingdom of God works. But when you think like God thinks, instead of it being a detriment to you when you give, it'll actually be a blessing. You know, the Bible says that where, the, where your treasure is, Jesus said, or is it in Proverbs? I think it's in Proverbs. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want to find out 
where your heart is, go and look at where you're putting your money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now, if someone were to look at, uh, you know, my checkbook, they would think our heart is at Aldi because <laughs> we have to feed a lot. <laughs> so you have to take care of things, amen? But if they looked at the benevolent things that we did, they would really see where our heart is. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, amen? Me and Aldi have a love-hate relationship. They're cheaper than a lot of the other places, but they still take a lot of money. It's actually not them. It's the four growing boys in our home. So anyways, praise God for that. And you know what? God always takes care of us. We, we've, had, we've told people before what we spend, and I don't know if we really have it totally down, but we spend a ton of money on food. And part of that is people just come into our house, and that's just what we do. We love to feed people. We love to take care of people. And we don't ever worry about anything. It just always works out. God just takes care of us. It's no problem. Amen. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you've got your money going to Aldi and, and rent or mortgage and then all the things you have to take care of, and then, you know, you've got, you know, $10 going to the church every month and you've got $600 going to Bass Pro, that probably says a lot about where your heart's at, amen? I'm not against fishing lures. I'm not against guns or anything like that. By the way, uh, all of the men bought me the most incredible uh, pastor appreciation gift that I've, I think I've ever had. It's uh, pretty awesome. I'll just leave it at that. <sighs> It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. AR-15s. And a great state to shoot them in. Anyways, so where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. So if you want to find out what you're treasuring, just look at where, where you're putting your money. If you want to find out where your heart's at, just look at where you're putting your money. But God wants us to partner with him. Let me continue reading this. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you... Always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of, fruits of your righteousness. Notice that he, that he supplies seed to the sower. You know what that sounds like to me? Partnership. When you decide, God, I'm going to become a sower and I can trust you to give $5 a week. I can trust you to give $5 a month. I can trust you to give this amount, but I am going to partner with you concerning giving. I'm going to partner with you concerning prayer. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm going to particularly partner to pray over the work that you're doing here in Perryville. 10 minutes a day, I'm specifically going to pray over Pastor Kent over their family, over the leadership, over the church as a whole. I'm going to take 10 minutes a day, and I'm going to partner with you in prayer. Whoa, that would be really, really awesome. Really awesome. And then you could say the same thing with serving. If you're not serving anywhere, you could say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get on a serve team. I might only could do one Sunday a month to where I'll serve somewhere, but I'm going to get on a serve team, and I'm going to start serving and helping. Why? Because you're partnering with God. It's not just about partnering with me. It's about partnering with him. And I'm using finances here as an example. But when you say yes in faith, God will give grace to give you what you need to do the thing that you're partnering with. Here's another scripture in 2 Chronicles. I'm going to mention this. This will be the last thing I'll mention. And then I'm going to move on to talk about Nehemiah. But 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, I'll just quote it. It says, the eyes of the Lord are moving to and fro throughout the whole earth. And what are they doing? They're seeking for someone's heart who's completely loyal to him. 
that he can show himself strong on behalf of that person. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like partnership. It sounds like someone saying, you know what, God? I'm willing for my heart and my life to be joined with you and I'm gonna partner with you and I'm gonna watch how you show yourself strong on my behalf because of you, not because of me, but because of you. You know what that is? That's partnership. Very practically, that's when we're building something, when we're building a, a church. And a church isn't a building. I know we know that. But a church is people. And the whole deal is to build people and to strengthen people. And so when we're building up people, God's looking for people to partner with what's really important to him. Amen. This is super basic. It's super easy. And I put it that way so that nobody would misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm looking for people to partner in building what God is building here. And I have so many of you, that you're like, we are with you, we are on board. You see, the more, the more we do that, the more we think like this, the more our hearts get attached to what's important to God. And the more we breed a culture of people stepping up and being a part to do what the Lord has asked them to do. Amen. And you say, well, what am I supposed to do? See, sometimes people, they come in and they're like, ah, let me take my gift and figure out how to, how to fit it in. Actually, the way that this works, God's given us some wisdom. You come in and you jump in with what's already going, and then your gift will find a way to fit in with the mold that God has already poured this church into. Does that make sense? So a lot of times people will say, I have this, I have this, I have this, and that might be true. And God, God gave you those things and he wants you to be used in those things because he wants you to be a blessing to people. But what you do is you just jump in and you just start to serve, you start to pray, you start to give. And before you know it, you'll find yourself being a part of the whole building process and it's bigger than you. That's one of the things that's awesome about building something is you're a part of something that's way bigger than you and you'll find how your gifts will be able to work in, in that. You know, there's a, um, up in Chicago, there's a, a Trump Tower there. And years ago, it wasn't really much of a privilege because it was a pain in the butt. But anyways, my brother got the job installing all of the draperies in the Trump Tower. There was like, I don't know, like 70 or 80 floors or something. I mean, it was, it was huge. <laughs> it was really big. You know how President Trump says huge. Anyways, Trump Towers. Okay, anyways few of you got it, but for the rest of you, just go look up huge, put in a GIF in your phone, huge, and you'll see him going huge. Anyways, so we got to go, I got to go up and work on this, and even though I only hung some rods and some draperies, it was pretty cool to stand on the outside of it and say, I was a part of building that. I didn't really make very much money, and it was, you know, whatever, it was really not a very good job, but anyways, uh, it was pretty cool to look at something and say, I was a part of, of doing that. You know, it's the same thing that the Lord's looking for people to have that kind of heart to say, you know what? It wasn't all about me. No, it doesn't say Kent on the tower. But yet I was a part of it. And it was kind of cool. A couple times I've been to Chicago or I've been in conversations with people, which I try not to go back to Chicago ever again if I can help it. But anyways, uh, God bless the Chicago Ians. Uh, but it's pretty cool to be able to say, I was a part of that. And I'm telling you now, and according to every one of you that raised your hand, you realize that God is building something that is extremely significant here. And you're going to be able to look back and say, I was a part of that. I was a part of that. Amen? Amen. I want to talk to you about what it means to be a Nehemiah. So a Nehemiah is one who is given to the work. And I'm going to give you four attributes of Nehemiah. You all still with me? Amen. I'm going to give you four attributes of what 
uh, of what it means to be a Nehemiah. I know there was only one Nehemiah, but to be like Nehemiah is what we really should be after. And I believe that the Lord in this hour is raising up people and is speaking to people to go to another level concerning the building process. Because again, we have four people in relation to building spectators, sand ballots, builders, which I believe that you have to become a builder before you can become a Nehemiah. I don't know if I'll get a lot into that. But basically, a Nehemiah is everything that a builder is with the exception of a few other qualities that God has placed on the inside. And to become a Nehemiah has to come to a place to where you go before the Lord and God breathes in you what he's doing. Because see, you can be a part of something but not really care uh, like the person who is the visionary. And although I believe that God breathes and gives, uh, gives a life to a person for a vision for a particular thing, he also can bring other people alongside of that that will carry that same heart. And so we could see that God had a heart for the city of Jerusalem. He had a heart to rebuild the ruins. And Nehemiah came, and the, here's the very first attribute. Nehemiah came, and here's number one, is that a Nehemiah, and Nehemiah did capture... God's heart. And we're going to look at here in Nehemiah chapter 1 in verse 3. And I want to read two verses here. Nehemiah 3, excuse me, chapter 1 in verse 3. It says, And they said to me, The survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept for many days. And when I read this, now, and I'd read this before, but when I read this not long ago, it was like the Lord, he struck a chord in my heart and he said, this is what I'm looking for for people in this hour. I'm looking for people to capture my heart. Because when something is broken, when something needs fixed, when something is is in need of something, and people have the ability to do it, if they're going to become like a Nehemiah, they first have to capture the heart. They have to capture the why. And, you know, I can't give you, you know, here's five things or seven things or ten things to display God's heart that he's placed on the inside of me. Because they had the same opportunity back then that God placed his heart on the inside of Nehemiah and it was up to other people to be able to capture what was in Nehemiah. So a builder would be one that would say, yes, sir, I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'm in line with it. I'm going to build. And that's great. We have to have builders. But there's another level that God is looking for to where it wouldn't just be, I'll do what you're saying, but I'm going to understand why you're asking for things to be done. And I can't give you five or 10 things or 20 things that say this depicts my heart or God's heart. But what I can say is that when you spend time with the Lord, you spend time with me and, and we work together that you have the potential to capture God's heart that will cause you to be as wild about doing this as what, I'm, as what I am. And you may not want that. You may be like, dude, I don't want to be that radical. Trust me. You do want to be that radical because when God sets your heart on a path with something that he's given you, it will turn your whole world upside down and you can begin to be given to the thing that God has called you to be given to. You can begin to be given to his work instead of just being given uh, to your life. And this is one of the biggest struggles in the body of Christ as a whole is that people come in and they give the Lord their heart, but they don't give him their life. 
So the idea of being part of something on the level of a Nehemiah to where he, he, he gives them his heart and they capture God's heart for something almost becomes a, a, a mute point because they haven't given their lives first. So you first have to give your, literally your life to the Lord where you say, God, I'll do anything that you want me to do. And I believe that I truly believe for every season, for every region, for every place that God calls men, he calls women to take up the mantle like Nehemiah. And the Lord says, I want this done. And when you, you need to rally people around you to build the thing and to do the thing that I'm asking you to do. And for the ones that will build, they'll help get the job done. But for the ones that are Nehemiah's, they'll run and they'll go further and faster and stronger than maybe some of the rest of the ones. And I'm saying to you, and I'm prophesying to you that God is looking for Nehemiah's. He is looking for people to capture his heart. And the, the question can be, well, what is, your, what is God's heart that he's placed on the inside of you? And I, again, I can't give you, here's three things or five things or 10 things. But what I can say is if you'll go in the direction that I'm going, you'll start to see it. Because a lot of what takes place concerning God's heart are things that are in the spirit that he has to breathe that life on the inside of you. You can't just put it into English words. You can't put it into a known language. You know, the language of the spirit, it's like, it's, it's a heavenly language. This is actually how prophecy works, is that the Lord will reveal something and then we take the best pictures, the best understanding that we can get to depict something in the spirit and bring it into to the natural so that people can understand the word of the Lord that's given. So it's the same thing when it comes to capturing God's heart. I could explain it, but you really can't get it until you're involved in saying, I want to be a part of that. And you know where Nehemiah first captured God's heart is when he saw what needed to be done. And then he went and he wept and he mourned for the thing that needed to happen. This when I read this, it challenged me. It challenged me to say, Lord, am I at the point to where I would even be willing to go and weep and mourn for what you want to have built in this city, in this region. I mean, it challenged me. I'm not a crier, so I can't really relate to that. I would love to cry. I'm actually asking God to help me be able to cry. I am. Because I can, I can, someone can be sitting and telling me something, and it'll look like I don't care. It's just because I'm, I'm not a crier. Sometimes it's good to cry with people. Sometimes there's a, there's, a, there's a crying emotion that God's given us that it's good to be able to relate to people like that. Sometimes it's good to be able to express uh, what the Lord's saying through tears of joy or whatever. So anyways, it might sound strange to ask that, but I, don't, I really don't cry. So I want to be able to cry. But I believe that the Lord revealed to me that, yes, my heart is like Nehemiah, and I've captured what God's heart is for this region. And I mentioned this last week. I want to say it briefly again, that God's looking for original thinkers. He's not looking for people to think like everybody else does. Most, oh, this is, this is going to be tight, but right. Most of what we've seen in Christendom, in churches, and I'm not knocking anybody else. I love people. I love the body of Christ. I love ministers. I minister to ministers. I love all that. But most of what we've seen produced has been Ishmael and not Isaac. Remember, Abraham tried to do things in his own strength, and it produced works in the flesh. He was doing it on his own. But yet Isaac came through promise. Why? Because it came through the word that the Lord said. You don't think Abraham was an original thinker? God infused Abraham with something, to my knowledge, had never been done before. You had two people that were past their prime having a promise that they were going to bear, bear a son, which, by the way, literally happened. I've heard some people say, oh, that was just an allegory. No, 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 no. 
No, it literally happened. They literally were past their prime, and they literally got pregnant with a baby that God promised would happen. Why? Because they had God's heart concerning that thing. They were willing to think outside the box, and they saw it come to pass. God's looking for people that will think outside the box. I'm looking for people that are willing to think outside the box. Amen. The very first attribute of Nehemiah is you have to capture God's heart. Number two is that Nehemiah carried God's ways. So Nehemiah carried God's ways. If you look here in chapter two and verse 12, it says, then I arose in the night. I and a few men with me, I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. But notice he said, I told no one what God had put in my heart to do, to do at Jerusalem. Where did he find God's ways? Where did he find out what God wanted to do? You go back to verse four of chapter one in the second part there. After he wept and he mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You know what God's looking for? See, people have been confused about fasting and prayer. Some people, I know I ran in circles where, for a while where people were confused about it, and I was too, is that when people look at fasting and praying, they think that they're moving God. The prayer isn't about moving God. It's about aligning yourself up with what God already wants to have happen. Because what happens is that the Lord's saying, this is what I want. God doesn't have a plan B. He has plan A. And so he'll say, this is what I want to have happen right here. And people are doing this over here, and they're doing this over here, probably with good intentions. And then sometimes people will fast and pray, and then they find themselves aligned with God, and they'll go, look, we fasted and prayed, and God moved. No, you fasted and prayed, and you moved, and you got in alignment with what God wanted. So when we fast and pray, we shut off our minds, we shut off our thinking, we shut off our ways, and we start to get in tune with God. What do you want if we're going to carry God's ways, we're going to carry God's, we're going to capture God's heart and we're going to carry his ways. We first have to go to a place where we say, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want? What is it that you're speaking in this hour? What is it that we're supposed to build? What is this supposed to look like? Is this too heavy for some of you? Y'all okay? Okay, some of y'all just looking at me like, hmm. Some of you are going, mm-hmm. But this is right on. This is awesome. And it's so awesome how God will confirm what I'm saying is right in line with what he wants because I have, I have a couple other people that, that I know and I'm like, what's going on with you? And I talked to even a friend last night on the phone. I'm like, so how's it been going in church or whatever? He goes, oh, I've been teaching through Nehemiah. I was like, interesting. There's 66 books in the Bible and you happen to be teaching the same one at the same time that I am. That's pretty awesome. And I, I truly believe and I'm telling you, this is a prophetic word from the Lord. God is looking for people to be Nehemiah's. He's not just looking for builders. He's looking for Nehemiahs. He's looking for ones that will come in and say, I'm going to capture God's heart. And honestly, you should want to capture my heart. Because what God's placed in me is his heart. Some of y'all have to meditate on that just, just a little bit. But he always calls people. You can read through the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. He calls people. He calls men and women. He infuses what he wants on the inside of them. 
And then he will call other people to come in alignment with what God has said to that man or that woman that's supposed to lead that charge in that region or that work that God is doing. He's looking for people who will say, God, I want to capture your heart and then I'm going to carry your ways. Amen. Let me give you number three. The number three thing. This is so good. Number three, and then there's one more after this, is that Nehemiah finished God's assignment. That might not sound like a uh, really uh, profound thing, but anybody can, anybody can finish, but not everybody. I mean, anybody can start, but not anybody can finish. Actually, anybody can finish, but most people don't. Let me show you this straight from the word in Nehemiah chapter 7. Nehemiah 7. Are you all getting something out of this? In verse 1, it says that it was when the wall was built and I had hung the doors when the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed. So we can see there that the wall was built, the doors were hung, and things were set in order. He finished the work that God called him to start. A difference between a builder and a Nehemiah is a builder could come in and say, I'm, I'm a part of this and I'm going to help. And, and I'm, not, I'm not downing builders. I think you have to become a builder before you could probably really capture the heart of the thing that's being built like a Nehemiah. But a builder will often work but they don't have the why behind what's being built, and so they don't stick with it until the end. Because I can tell you this, if I had only been a builder and not a Nehemiah, I'd have quit like, I've been doing this for nine years, I'd have quit eight and a half years ago. I've had sand bullets. I've had all kinds of things that have come against me. Uh, won't get into the details of any of that but a lot of really bad things that have come against me over the years. But I'm here. Why? Because I have the heart like, like Nehemiah. God put his heart in me. I can't quit on what God wants me to do. I've wanted to quit. You know, this is why uh, Paul, if he was indeed the writer of Hebrews, he says, let us lay aside every weight and, and, and hindrance and the sin which so easily besets us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And what's he talking about? He's talking about lay aside hindrances, which to me are distractions that would pull you to the left or to the right, and the sin which so easily besets us. What sin is involved with running a race? If you want to call it a sin, it's quitting. That's the number one thing that people want to do. Anybody in here a runner ever run a half marathon or even a two miles or something? What's the thing you want to do before you get to the finish line? You just want to quit because it gets difficult. And God's called people to be stronger than that, to be greater than that, to look past the indifferences, to look past the issues, to look past the, 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 the disunity things that could come up or the differences or we don't see eye to eye. He's called us to look past those things, capture the heart of the one that God set to lead it and to run with them. Now, let me say this. This is strong. But if you don't believe that God has set me to lead this work that he's doing, why in the world would you ever follow me? Because if, if I'm not, 
then you would be following me, not toward God. And I would highly encourage you, if you don't believe that I'm of God, try and find out my heart more and you'll see past that. But if you still believe that, you shouldn't be here. How many, how many pastors are you going to hear it say that on a Sunday morning? <laughs> not too many. But I love people enough to tell them the truth. If you think someone's not going with God, it doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes or miss it. I mean, come on, there's grace there. But if what we're ultimately running towards is not after the Lord, you shouldn't be a part of that thing. <laughs> Amen. It's, that's tight but right. It's true. I think differently about you all than that. I, I believe that you really believe that God's, God's called Liz and I here to lead the charge in this thing, and that we have a heart like Nehemiah, and we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep going all the way to the end because that's what someone who's infused with, with God's heart and really has, has a heart like Nehemiah will stick with it all the way till the end. And I know that there's seasons of transition. Sometimes God will transition people uh, here, there, or, or whatever, I, and I get that. And we love to, when the blessing of the Lord is on it, we love to send people. I hate to see people go, but I love to send people whenever that, that time is right. Because when people go, it's because they're hurt, mad, upset, offended, yada, 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 yada. Who cares about that? I mean, I'm not saying it's important, not important to deal with those things. What I'm saying is that that's not the reason we should be separated. We should be separated only because the Lord says, I have to go to this place, or the Lord's calling me to do this, that, or the other. And then we say, we see that, and you'll see a, you'll see a confirmation of people that because there's, there's love and there's unity, and we'll say, absolutely, we're going to bless you and send you where you're going to go. Totally different mentality. You won't find anywhere in the New Testament to where they just left now, you can find disagreements, actually, you know, like Paul and Barnabas had to split ways and stuff. You can, you can find that. But the goal and the aim was that they would send people to places. Another message for another time, but really important. Let me give you number four, and this is so important, and then we're going to close with this. You okay if I, just, if I just talk like this? Sometimes I get fired up, but sometimes I think I'm just going to relax and just... Tell it to you kind of plain. Amen. So number four is that Nehemiah did not build for himself. So a Nehemiah will not build for themselves. Really important. Let me show you this. It's the next verse in Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse 2. It says, So when everything had been accomplished and the Levites have been appointed that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Now, if you go back and you look at chapter uh, six and in verse six, and this is where, now I'm gonna get back to my point here for just one more moment, but I wanna make this really quickly here. This is where Sanballat, sent a servant of his with an open letter to Nehemiah. And if you go and look, Nehemiah was so wise, he basically just ignored him. Which when people are making accusations against you, unless you have to deal with it, just ignore them. In verse six of chapter six, it says, and it was written, in the letter it was written, and here's the letter. 
It is reported among the nations, and this is Sanballat. I can hear Sanballat just saying this to Nehemiah via this letter. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Total, flat out, straight up lie. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. There was no truth in it because we can read in chapter 7 of verse 2, it says, and that I gave charge to Jerusalem, to my brother Hananiah, and to, and to the other people that were involved there. A true Nehemiah doesn't build for themselves. This was something that God began to, a few years ago, really begin to show me the difference between when it comes to building for the sake of people being built up, being encouraged and strengthened and set in the, in the thing that God's called them into, versus building a ministry that revolves around one man. Because a lot of ministry, and a lot of it's done from a good heart, but just maybe a lack of understanding, a lot of ministry is built around, around one, one man. I told Liz, and I've said this for years, that I want this church to be so strong and so powerful that if for some reason I went absent, that it would just continue right on going because it wasn't built around me. It was built around what God was doing, and there were multiple parts that were functioning in it and working and, and, had, and carried a heart like this to where they would continue on. But undoubtedly, the number one, the single biggest problem that I, that I have seen, and I've talked to different leaders, uh, you know, in different places and different churches, the single biggest problem that we find in churches is people with, uh, with selfish motives, that they do things motivated to benefit self. And there could be a lot of reasons involved in that. But basically, they'll do things, they'll give gifts, they'll operate in their, in their giftings, they'll, they'll work, they'll do whatever. And it's all motivated for selfish gain. But one who has a true heart like Nehemiah will invest their entire, give their entire life into something and don't care if they have personal reward from what they gave. That's a really powerful idea. But sometimes not an easy one for our flesh to want to overcome. And I think that there's, a, there's been a... The, the church has been a dog-eat-dog -dog church. <laughs> and it's like the most talented people get to the top. And the Lord started showing me things different, that it's not about talent. And, and I'm not saying you want to put somebody up singing that cannot carry a tune in a bucket. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to movement in the body of Christ is not supposed to be based on talent. It's supposed to be based on faithfulness. Because that means that anybody can choose to be faithful and God can promote them. God can use them. But when you put people at the top because they've got talent or you throw them out there because they've got talent or they've got some kind of gifting and maybe they're gifted and anointed or whatever, now you've placed the reasoning for them doing something because of their ability and not because of their heart. And the whole culture of a, of a church then becomes about, if I'm going to get anywhere in this ministry, I'm going to have to call my way to the top. It's never supposed to be like that. But I can tell you now, I've experienced that a lot. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? That's why the culture of the, the, the church has to change. And if God could find people like Nehemiah's, no matter if they're scrubbing toilets or preaching sermons or whatever they're doing. By the way, I've done all of that, and I still do. No, I don't scrub toilets. Hallelujah. I haven't scrubbed a toilet in a while. But I do a lot of other things. I'm given to this work. 
I'll do anything that I have to do to see that it goes, that it goes how God wants it to go and goes the direction that it wants to go and has the longevity that he wants it to have. I'll do anything. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm willing to do anything. And whenever I've had something, I'm always willing to step aside and let somebody else take it. I don't build for myself. People that have a true heart of Nehemiah, and you can find this because they'll have a, a spot, they'll have a, a ministry position, they'll have a title, and titles can depict organiz, you know, organization within the organization. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. But as soon as you say, actually, we don't want you to, to do this here. We need you over here. And it's like, then their cause come out. They try to hold on to the position. And once that gets pulled away, then they start calling everybody else around them. We've seen this before. Why? It's because they really didn't carry a heart to build and to help with the thing that God was wanting to be built. It was all about building their ministry. The work that God's doing here, it's not about my ministry. It's not about your ministry. It's about the ministry that the Lord is doing collectively. And the more our hearts are lined up with that and we capture God's heart and we stay at that place to say, God, just use me. We should be as happy to come into a church like this. We should, if, we, if we see what God's doing, we should literally be as happy to work with the kids, to sweep floors, to work in the sound booth, to work in the video booth, to do whatever to help build the thing that God wants to have built. And we should have joy on our, in our hearts and a smile on our face because our identity isn't wrapped up in what we do. Our identity is wrapped up in him and all we are is just vessels. And if we stay at that place, God will promote us in due time. He'll promote us in due time. Does that make sense? So a Nehemiah doesn't build for themselves. Liz and I have aspirations in ministry that we believe that the Lord has, has placed on us. I have, in fact, the biggest reason probably why I would ever struggle with frustration is because what I see in me, I don't see outward yet. I don't see manifestation outward yet, but I see incredible things. But I, I told Liz recently, I told Ron this recently too, that it's right when God's called you somewhere, it's right to come to a place that you would be willing to stay there and to serve for the rest of your life and not need anything else, where you would just be content with saying, God, I'll stay here and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. You don't have to promote me. You don't have to make my name great. I don't have to have the stage. I don't have to have the spotlight. I don't have to have a title. I don't have to have a position. I'm just willing, I'll stay here and serve. And if you can do that, if God wants you to be promoted, he'll promote you. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're in the place that he's called you and you're being a, a part of something, a vital part of something that is greater, more than about you and about him and his kingdom. Man, this is really good stuff. It's really good stuff. So for people that they, and this is a real true thing that they're like, man, God's, especially when people are seeking the Lord and they're growing, they're like, man, God showed me I've got this gift and he showed me I've got this and he told me I'm gonna like, move to Zimbabwe and take over the country for Jesus or whatever. I don't doubt those things at all. But you know how you get to that place? Is saying, Lord, you just tell me, you just tell me what to do. You've called me to the, to the man of God and you've called me to this work here, then I'm willing to just serve him. See, when you sow into another man's vision, <laughs> God will see to it that yours comes to pass. 
As a matter of fact, it says in Luke chapter 16 that if you're not faithful in what is another man's, how will you have what is your own? We're here and seeing fulfillment of what God placed in us because we first were at a place where, where we were saying, I'm gonna sow into what somebody else is doing. And actually what changed for us is when we quit sowing to try to get, but we just sowed because it was the right thing to do. Because if you have a mentality going into sowing, especially with finances, and I, I mean, I've met a lot of people that are like, I tithe for 10 years and I'm struggling. And it's like, okay, I, I hear a little hint of, I deserve something because I did something. And that actually is what the Lord does not want us to take part in. We should just give. And if we never reaped, I determined years ago that if I never reaped, reaped a dime financially from sowing seeds, I would still sow it anyways. I would still do it anyways. Because I love God and I want to be a blessing to God. I want to be a blessing to his people. Amen. Anybody in here feel a little bit stretched? Four of you. Okay, who feels encouraged? Same four of you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would you stand to your feet and me bless you? Father, we love you. God, we thank you for the times of the moving of the Spirit, Lord, where, where we, we have signs and wonders and prophecy and tremendous things. But God, I thank you for times like this, too, when we just very practically take your word and we open it up and we see some principles that are in there that we can apply to our life. And Father, I thank you that you have called this church to go up. You've called these individuals to go up. You know every one of their names. You know every one of their numbers. You know the, know the desires on their heart. And Father, I thank you that they would capture the heart that you've placed in me and in Liz. I thank you that they would capture that. And God, I thank you that trust will be continued to, to be built. That Lord, we want to help them accomplish everything that God wants them to accomplish. Lord, we're not looking to build a ministry for ourselves. That's the way things used to be done. Now we're interested in building for you, God. We're interested in building for you. We're interested in building people up. Thank you for continued wisdom and revelation. God, on how to set sons and daughters in place, how to establish sons and daughters in the faith. And God, that they will run and carry your heart. They'll capture your heart. They'll carry your ways. And Father, I thank you that for any way that I couldn't depict this teaching properly that you placed in my heart, I thank you the Holy Spirit's a true teacher. And, and that they're coming alive with this revelation. No arm twisting, no condemning. This isn't about me saying people aren't serving enough. Actually, they, they, I, don't, I couldn't think of a more awesome church in the whole world. But Lord, I thank you that through you we can go higher and we can, we can do the thing that you've called us to do. If we'll just team up with you. Thank you, Lord. I bless every one of these saints. I thank you that their homes are full of peace, of joy, of purpose, of longevity. And all of how the enemy has tried to steal and rob from those, those things from their homes. I thank you that it's restored in great measure. Man, if the enemy's robbed some of those things from me, I just want you to stick your hand up real quickly just to the Lord. Say, yes, the enemy's robbed some joy and some peace from my home. So, Father, I thank you that it's being restored now in Jesus' name. And, God, I thank you that your purpose and your heart is infused on the inside of them. And regardless of what comes to the left or to the right, from the north, south, east, or west against them, that they'll stay steadfast. They'll continue with joy and peace, carrying the kingdom of God, carrying your heart. And I thank you that they're going to fulfill everything that you've set them out to fulfill in this life. In the name of Jesus, amen.
bless you and love you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.